to a generation once on the very verge of crossing over, these words were spoken. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess, and has cast out the nations before you, the Hittites and the Girgashites, and the Amorites, and the Canaanites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and all the other termites. When you go in to possess that land, seven nations greater and mightier than you will be there. And when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. You shall not make marriages with them. You shall not give your daughter to their son, nor take their daughter for your son. For they will turn your sons and daughters away from following me to serve other gods. For you, listen, for you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. Let us pray. Oh, God. But the choir sang, we were praying. I want to cross over. I want to cross over. One of these days, the crossing over generation will be here. And oh, God, may we be a part of it. I humbly pray. Teach us this morning. Teach us so that we might indeed cross over through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Have you ever wondered what it was like the night or the day that you were conceived? I got to be honest with you, I have never wondered in my life <laughs> until I came across a book this summer. Found it in the uh, Philadelphia airport bookstore. Karen and I had just uh, flown back from Italy. Four glorious days with a bus full of Andrews University students. They were all architects, architect majors. And we had the honor of uh, spending four days up in the green valleys of the Northwest Italian Alps. And in fact, that, that experience for me and I think for them was so significant that four weeks from today, on this very platform, I'm going to have those architect students help me tell, tell you what happened. All right? Four weeks from today. So anyway, we're coming back from Milan into uh, Philadelphia. And we've got two hours before we make our domestic connection to Chicago. And I always go into a bookstore if I have some time. And so I'm looking, whoa, I'd never seen this title before. It caught my eye. Ten Prayers God Always Says Yes To. Wouldn't that catch your eye? Yeah. Uh, subtitled, Divine Answers to Life's Most Difficult Problems. It's written by an author. I'd never heard of him before. Anthony De Stefano. So I'm looking at these ten prayers. Prayer one, boom, boom, boom. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Until I get to prayer number ten. And when I get to prayer number ten, here's prayer number ten. God, lead me to my destiny. 
I said, whoa, that's a, I never heard anybody pray that prayer. And so I started to read. And before long, I ran into these words. Did you ever think about all the factors that had to be in place for you to be born? Well, I never thought about that. About all the millions of tiny details that had to converge at just the right time and just the right place for you to come into this world. Hadn't thought about that either. And just like a hook, he described the night I got conceived. The night you got conceived. Could have been a day. I don't know. Doesn't matter now. (laughs) He described it. So when I get back, I'm talking to the scientists on this campus. I'm saying, hey, I called up three of my uh, biologist friends. Uh, who teach here at Andrews University. So I'm talking to David Steen and Bill Chobatar and Robert Zador. All right. Three of our scientists. I said, is it like De Stefano portrays it in his book? They said, yep. I said, do you have any pictures of a conception taking place? Yep. You do? I want it for the Sabbath. And so I'm going to show you an actual conception taking place. I figure this is a university audience and you can handle it. All right. But before I run those clips on the screen, I need to set the table for you. Okay, so so here here it is. This is the this is the scenario. You understand this? Your father and your mother came together. True or false? It's true. Now, you need to hear this. Whether your father and mother stayed together, ever really got together or were strangers is immaterial to the fact that it happened. All right. So all of this that you're about to see has happened. All right. So when your father and mother came together, he deposited in your mother 500 million tiny little male reproductive cells called sperm. You understand that? 500 million. Now, I want you to think about this. He, the man, gives 500 million cells. The mother gives one egg. I'm telling you. It has never been fair from the very beginning. (laughs) Has it? Look at that. Okay. So you got the picture. Five, half a billion, half a billion little sperm have a very short lifespan and they know one thing, find the ovum, the egg as fast as possible. All right. I'm going to show you the sperm first. Let's put the sperm on the screen here. You guys watching in the... Uh, you see it on the monitors here. Okay, so those are the sperm. Those are those little guys. Half, half a billion of them are going to work. All right? There they are. All right. Now, I want to give you another, another clip here. I, you are going to see now an egg be penetrated by a sperm. All right? So this is what it looks like. The night you were conceived. There it is. Watch now. Just, this is a movie, so watch it. There's the uh, sperm. You see it there. And now he's found the egg and he is working his way into that egg. We'll run it one more time. You see that? Watch it. See? He starts to wiggle. This is it. This is his moment. And he gets in. Final clip. This is a little longer clip. We're not going to play this one twice. Final clip. Watch what happens. A little further back photography. Watch what happens when the sperm penetrates the egg. You will see a shield. You're going to see a fertilization envelope develop. Now, see the point of the sperm entry? Watch that now. Watch how the egg begins to get pushed in where the sperm has entered. Do you see a mysterious shield immediately going up around the egg? Do you see it? Okay, let's give it a little close-up. Now, you watch this. Fertilization envelope. Okay? 
Here's magnification. Now watch the side of that egg being pushed in. That's the sperm now that has penetrated the egg. All right? So you see it being pushed in. The moment that sperm enters, a shield is instantly created because you can't have two sperm. Nature goes crazy. You have to have just one penetration. All right? Now I want you to think about, do the numbers with me. The night that you and I were conceived, or whenever it was, okay, a single sperm, a single sperm that has who you are right now, all through it, a single sperm has to win the race. Robert Zador was telling me that when it comes to uh, winning that race, it's first come, first serve. The first little sperm that gets there. And do you understand that? That when that little sperm gets there, that little shield goes up. And that means that 499,999,999 other little sperm have to perish. They will now die because the sperm that was you made it instead. I had never thought about any of this before. Had you? Leading De Stefano, I'm going to put his words on the screen. This, this is significant. Look at, look, at, look at his conclusion. Anthony De Stefano, listen to this. Half a billion potential human beings, each one completely different from you, could have been born in place of you had not that one unique sperm cell fertilized that one unique ovum in a very real sense. Half a billion other potential human beings had to forego life to make way for you. Half a billion other men and women, each with their own distinct physical traits, their own hair, eyes and voices, each with his or her own unique personality, never saw the light of day so that you could live. But I'm telling you, this, this is the wow factor. There's even more. Because you understand this. In that month, there is a very small window. You understand what I'm talking about? There's a very small window when that egg is available. Right? A very small window. And depending on when your mother and father came together, it will depend on the particular sperms that will go in. True or false? But of course. So if you miss that small window, you say, well, what's the big deal, Dwight? You get the window again next month. That's right. But your little sperm got created this month. It will be, it will be curtains next month. You have to have this month to get you here. We had to have this month. And it couldn't have been Friday night. And it couldn't be Thursday night for you. It had to be Wednesday night. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because that's the only time the little half of you got to the other half and made the creation that you become. Is this too much information for this audience? Am I getting too specific? You understand what I'm saying? This is De Stefano, Anthony De Stefano. And I'm saying, wow. Look at if that little sperm doesn't get there, do you know what we get instead of you? We get your sister. <laughs> Think of that. Plus, plus, don't forget about this. Miscarriages, one out of every, one, one out of every five pregnancies ends in a miscarriage. Think about this. Stillborns, one out of every 100 births ends as a stillborn. Think about this. Abortions, one out of every four births is terminated in abortion. Do you understand that the fact that you made it all the way through the nine-month gestation? In fact, uh, Robert Zador told me, he said, Dwight, I'll tell you what, the reality is... Of the, of the sperm egg unions in the mother's uterus, only one-third of those will ever make it to see the light of day. Ladies and gentlemen, 
something big happened. Because you're here. You're here. Leading Anthony DeStefano to make a point that I hope you'll never forget. In fact, this point is so important. It's the very first quotation in our study guide. Brand new series, brand new study guide. Grab your study guide in your worship bulletin right now. And I don't want you to forget this point. Oh, ruminate on this, will you? You just kind of cogitate on it after this day. Come on, ushers, let's go. Let's go. Ushers, would you stand, please, and make sure that everybody here gets a study guide. Four of you came in with one uh, bulletin. Some of you knew in this church and you didn't realize you got to get a bulletin every week because that's how you get your study guide. Hold your hand up. You don't have to be embarrassed. It's worth the study guide's worth this one quotation. So hold your hand up all the way in the back of the balcony. I want to make sure that the choir's got it. We're in business. All right. Now, those of you watching on television, let me just uh, say a word to you. You can get this identical study guide. You may. If you will go to our website. Let me put it on the screen for you. There it is. www.pmchurch.tv This is the beginning of a brand new series entitled The Chosen. The teaching that you're looking for for this number one is why you are the most unique person on earth. Don't miss next week, by the way, why we are the most unique people on earth. That's a whole nother study. That's coming next week. So you click on to that one, why you are the most unique person on earth. It says study guide. One more click and you will have the identical study guide that we have. I want to open up with this powerful De Stefano quotation. All right, so you have it there. The ushers will keep making their way back, but I need to keep moving. So let's put that quotation on the screen, please, and we'll read it together. De Stefano, powerful reminder, from a strictly statistical point of view, your presence on this planet is a miracle. Hallelujah. Write it down. You, today, being here, it's a miracle. At the very dawn of your life, you had to overcome overwhelming odds, odds Higher than any you will ever have to face in another situation. No matter what you may think of yourself right now, you are already an overachiever of the highest caliber. No matter what ills may befall you in life, no matter what suffering you may be forced to endure, no matter what family or money problems you may eventually have to face, it is imperative that you understand this. Here we go. You came into this world as a champion. I like that. I've never heard anybody say that before. You just by getting here, you came in to the world as a champion. Last sentence, victory. Isn't that good? Victory was your starting point. Mm. Keep your pen moving for it is more than clear that somebody has chosen you. Write that down. Somebody has chosen you. Which is precisely the point of God to us this morning. Take your Bible out, please. We're plunging into a brand new book. Most of you haven't ever read the book. You never even read from the book, but we're going to that book for this new series, The Chosen. The book is the fifth book of the Bible. It's called Deuteronomy. The last book of the Pentateuch, Deuteronomy. Find Deuteronomy. Find Deuteronomy. And while you're finding that fifth book of the Bible, let me just set the table for you so that we understand what we are about to read in just one split second. All right. Here's the here's the setting. The crossing over generation, what the choir just sang about a moment ago, this crossing over generation has finally arrived at the borders of the promised land. The only thing between them and Canaan is the raging and muddy Jordan. So they're there. Boom. All right. Their parents and grandparents had failed God's mission. And that is why for 40 years, for 40 years, burial mounds have dotted the hot sands of their wandering. For 40 years, they've been waiting for that 
generation to die off. An entire generation is dead now because of unbelief. In fact, get this. There are only three. There are only three of that generation left. Only three. One is in his 70s. His name is Caleb. One is in his 80s. His name is Joshua. And one, the oldest one of them all, is the leader of them all. He's 120 years of age today. And what is his name? Moses. Moses. Moses has been their shepherd and pastor for 40 long, wearying and discouraging years. But what has kept him going all these decades has been his passion for God, his love for the people of God, and the shining promise that one day he with them would cross over into campground. They'd cross over into the promised land. And by the way, he was that close. He was that close until just a few days ago. In a moment of raging frustration with this congregation's stiff-necked obstinacy, Moses lost his temper in front of them all and smeared the character of God before their gaping mouths. And swift was a divine sentence. Do you know why that divine sentence was swift? Because to whom much is given, much is required. If you're a leader, much has been given to you and much will be required of you to answer for. Swift were these words from God to Moses, because you did not believe me to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. Moses wept. He pleaded for God to reverse his sentence. And finally, it was so bad, finally, that God said, this, this God who had been face to face with Moses in communion, unlike any other human being in the history of time, this God finally looked at Moses and said, don't you ever bring that up to me again. I don't want to hear another word about it. Do you know why God brought it up? Because every time Moses wept, it broke two hearts. It broke Moses' heart and it broke God's heart. And he said, I can't handle this anymore. I'm sorry. Enough. You will die. This side the promised land. And so that little purple peak just a few miles away, that's where he's going to die. All alone, Mount Nebo, he will have to climb it. Nobody to bury him but God Almighty himself. So what we have here, ladies and gentlemen, this is his farewell address. This is it. He says goodbye. It's the longest farewell address in history. He says goodbye in the book of Deuteronomy to the generation that without him gets to cross over. Do you think this was an easy speech to give? I can't go with you. Don't ask me. I cannot go with you. That's the setting. Seven chapters into his farewell address. Find Deuteronomy 7, will you? Seven chapters into this farewell address. Take a look at this. We're going to be turning to this book for the next few weeks of this new season. You know why? Because we want to think about the chosen. For you see, in the story of this long ago congregation are surely lessons for another generation also on the borders of the promised land. That's why. They're lessons to be learned when you're this close to Canaan. And we'll learn from them, won't we? We really will learn from them, won't we? All right. Deuteronomy 7 chapters in. Deuteronomy 7. Okay, I'm in the New King James. If you didn't bring a Bible, grab that Bible right in front of you. Same translation I'm using right now. 
Grab your pew Bible. Bring your Bible next week. If you're a new student here, just get used to it. We use the book here. It's page 128 in the pew Bible. Grab it. Page 128 in the pew Bible. I want to drop down to verse 6. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6. Put it on the screen, please. Moses, God speaking through Moses to the children of Israel. You see, these are the, these are the children of the parents and the grandparents who are dead. So these children, plus their children, plus a few of their children. So that's it. All the former generation who, because of unbelief, could not make it. They're dead. They're gone. So now he's talking to the kids. They really are kids to him. Verse 6, Deuteronomy 7, for you children, you, hey, children, you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you. To be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. Why did we get chosen, Moses? Why did God choose us? He goes on, verse 7, the Lord, I want to tell you something. He did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than the other people. Are you kidding? You were the least of all peoples. Nothing desirable about you. Trust me, Moses is saying. You you want to know why you got chosen? Look at verse 8. Because the Lord loves you. By the way, the Hebrew word there for love, it's the same love that Jacob and Rachel had. Not Jacob and Leah, Jacob and Rachel. That same love, God had it for you. Because the Lord loves you and He would keep the oath which He swore to your fathers. The Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Therefore, final verse 9, know that I, the Lord your God, He... Know that He is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy for a... I love this. He keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love Him and keep His commandments. Hit the pause button right there. Because you know what? Moses and De Stefano are both right. You have been chosen. Would you write that down, please, in your study guide? Deuteronomy 7, verse 6. The Lord your God chose you. Put it on the screen, please. The Lord your God has chosen you. Now, I know, folks, you don't have to come and tell me, hey, Dwight, really, this is plural here. These are a whole lot of people. We'll get into the plural reality. It's a very, it's a very radical and it will be controversial next week message. I, just trust me, it will be controversial. But we'll talk about the plural. The fact of the matter is, I know God chose a whole people, but he also chose you. You wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be here if God had not chosen you. You've been chosen. That's the point. And by the way, this is the, this is the stunning truth of Scripture. Not only were you chosen to be born, hold, hold on to your pew, you were chosen to be born before you were even conceived. Now, think about that one, will you? That is an amazing Bible truth. You don't believe me? Let me just run these verses by you. Keep your pen moving right now. We'll put it on the screen. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. God is speaking to a young adult. He's speaking to a young adult named Jeremy. He's talking to the boy and he said, I want to tell you something, Jeremy, before, write it in, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I said, I got a dream for that boy. I set you apart. Paul comes along millennia later. Paul comes along. You know, it's about uh, 700 years later. Paul comes along. Galatians 1.15. Look at this. Paul's making the same point. The greatest Christian who ever lived. For it pleased God in His kindness to choose me and call me even before I was born. But what if your life turns out to be rotten? What if you just melt down and you ruin everything? Are you still chosen by God before you're born? David the king. Did he melt down? Did David melt down and shame the eternal kingdom? Yes, he did. Was he forgiven? You bet he was forgiven. Even when you melt down and God knows it in advance. In this great song of praise to God, Psalm 139. Look at David singing to God. 
You made all the delicate inner parts of my body. Oh, God, you knit me together in my mother's womb. You saw me before I was born. Keep going. Every This is something. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. You wrote my whole story before I was even conceived. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Knowing how you would turn out at this point in your life, God still said, I want that boy. I want that girl. Isn't that amazing? Pastor Skip was praying this morning. That was a, that was a moving prayer. And he said, you know, come on. We've, we've, oh, already this short distance into the new year. And I failed you, God. God said, I knew you were going to fail me. It's okay. I still want you. Because I, I, have, I have another plan. I got another plan for you. Amazing. By the way, do you know that this would be true? Keep writing in your, in your study guide. This would have to be true. Put it on the screen, please. As surely as John the Baptist and the Lord Jesus were born with a divine destiny, so are you and so was I. I have that same destiny. Oh, no, 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 no. Not, not the identical calling. In fact, let's keep, this, keep the screen going, please. Not the same destiny, but the same divine chooser who chose you to become the chosen. Same chooser. You got chosen by the same chooser as Jesus and John the Baptist. I tell you what, my friends, good news, if I can rephrase that, glorious news for the next time. The next time you and I, do we do this or do we do it? The next time you and I whimper with our self-pitying tears, complaining to ourselves, complaining to God, whimpering to anybody who will stop and listen to us, Moaning and groaning about how worthless my life is, how, how pointless, how meaningless life is. I should never have been born. Give me a break. You say, oh, Pastor, you don't know about me. Pastor, you do not know the truth about me. I really was an accident. My parents never planned for me, they never stayed together. It was just a man and a woman, and here I am. I am one huge oops for the human race. I want to say this, and I want to, I want to be respectful of your observation. You know what? You're right. You may be. Hey, I'm not going to argue with you. You may be right about the man and the woman who conceived you. But I want you to read my lips. There is a God in this universe who chose them. To create you. To get you into this life. Don't you ever. Don't you ever tell me. You're not here by divine destiny. 499,999,999 other sperm died that night. So that you. You could come. Uh, it's it's got it's to prove it's got to be it's got to be the proof of the truth that when you're chosen by God to live, you have everything to live for with God. Would you write that down, please? No matter your parents, write it down. No matter your parents, I don't care who your daddy was, I don't care who your mama was. It doesn't matter now. God just made sure He got you, and you're here. Hallelujah. You say, Ah, oh, but Pastor, I want to tell you something. You don't know my story. But you see, I have been born with a terrible handicap. My feet don't work. 
My ears can't hear. My eyes can't see. I am truly an accident of nature. I got a letter this last week from a blind friend of mine. Wrote a poem and wanted to share it with me. Just this last week. I got the poem right here. I want you to listen to this blind man writing. All right. It's entitled, The Work of the Blind. Written two weeks ago. The Work of the Blind. Oh God, writes this blind poet. Oh God, let me be one blind in body, but who can see you in spirit most clearly and who can show you to others and lead others to you, to your love, to your providence. And in so doing, I may help others who are blind in spirit, but sighted in body, receive sight. Signed, my friend Ray McAllister. Doctor of philosophy, student at Andrews University. I understand. I understand about physical handicaps. I understand about emotional handicaps. Some of us have spiritual handicaps. We were born with them or we created them by the way we've lived life. But you know what, ladies and gentlemen, you didn't catch. You and I did not catch God by surprise. He knew you were coming. He knew I was coming. Fact is, we live in an imperfect world. And an imperfect creation now. And we are imperfect creatures having to live with imperfect odds of even making it to this life. But you made it. You know why you made it? I'll tell you why you made it. Because God says... God said, looking into your mother's tummy, God said, you see that fragile little baby? You see that fragile little girl? I want her. I want her. Do everything you can. She's going to be born. I don't care what the odds. I'm having her because I chose her. But God looked into your mother's tummy once upon a time. He said, you you see that pitiful little boy? I want him. He's mine. I've called him. I've chosen for him to live. He beat the odds because I'm his. I'm the chooser. I want him. Bring him given to me. You got chosen. And that's why you're here. Wow. Anthony DeStefano was right. Would you write this down, please? We may be statistical miracles, but we are not statistical accidents. Hallelujah. So, keep your pen moving. No matter your handicap, you are still God's chosen. You are still God's chosen. God's chosen one. Oh, I know what some of you are saying. All right, all right, all right. But the reality is, Pastor, I'm I'm just too old now. Are you serious? Are you telling me that your divine destiny kind of goes away because of your age? Please. 84 years old. She's a widow. She's 84 years old. Her entire... Look look at this, guys. Her entire life has been focused. She doesn't know it, but she's coming down to a little five-minute window of destiny. That's all she's going to have. 84-year-old widow. You know what her destiny is? She walks into church one day. She sees a mother holding a baby and it is told to her, that is the baby Messiah. Tell everybody now. And Anna the prophetess opens her mouth and proclaims. There weren't a whole lot of people there, but she told everybody there, this is the Messiah. And boom, she's gone. That's it. That's all we'll ever know about her. But she was faithful till the 84th year of her life and that little five-minute window destiny. Don't you ever tell me that when you get old like you are, the destiny's over. Some of you are waiting for close to your last 
breath for what you will do. You will do for God. You will say something. You will be something. You will do something. And God says, ah, she did it. It's over. Tell that to Moses. Huh? He's too old. Do you know what? Moses is... Moses. I just, I just discovered this the other day. I'm reading through... You know, I read a psalm a day. So I'm reading Psalm 90 just uh, seven days ago with Psalm 90. Listen to this, guys. It's the only psalm in the Bible that says, Moses, prayer of Moses, man of God. Psalm 90. Do you remember in Psalm 90 what Moses says? Here's what Moses says in Psalm 90. He said, oh God, our lives might make it to 70. If we're really lucky, we might make it to 80 years. Do you remember that from Psalm 90? If we're really fortunate, we might make it to 80. Moses is writing that psalm, that prayer in the wilderness. And he believes that he is nearing the end of his life. It is curtains. He blew it 40 years ago. There is no destiny for him. And he's saying, God, I'm 70. I might make it to 80, but I know it's over then. And God is saying in the back of his mind, boy, You just keep leaning on me because I got a surprise for you. I'm going to infuse you with 40 more years after you turn 80. Don't you ever write God off who can keep you going as long as he needs you for the destiny you've been called for. Man, oh man. And by the way, don't you give me the opposite either. Don't you give me this business. I'm too young. I'm only a freshman in this university. I talked with three freshman boys came into my office this last week. They said, Dwight, Pastor, we have we have a we have a we have a passion for Andrews University. We have a passion. I said, guys, let me just tell you something. You're here not by accident. You're here because God is going to use you on this campus. Don't you tell me that because I'm just a freshman, I'm not going to make a difference. You will make a difference. Some sophomores didn't make a difference. Some juniors didn't. Some seniors didn't. And that's why we can take a freshman right now. And God can use you. Don't you ever apologize for being too young. Explain that to Samuel. Do you know how Samuel, do you know how old Samuel is? He's five years old and he starts getting messages from God. Is that, is that a little bit too old to start? Five. Write it down, please. No matter your age, no matter your age, you are still God's chosen one. And by the way, if you're God's chosen one, keep your pen moving, then that can only mean that He has a destiny. Write it in. He has a destiny for you. A very unique mission for a very unique creation. That's why you were born. You were born to fulfill a destiny. God's destiny. And by the way, De Stefano makes this point. I don't want to shoot off onto it, but it's a significant one. He says a lot of people spend their lives following their dreams. The obj- hey, listen carefully now, because I've heard preachers around here say, oh, find your dreams, find your dreams, follow your dreams, be a great man. Psst. The object of life is not following our dreams. It's finding God's destiny. Some of us are dreaming a dream that is not in the same direction as God's destiny. The object of life is to find the destiny. And that's why Stefano says that's prayer number 10. You pray this prayer. God will show it to you. Write it down. Oh, God, lead me to my destiny. Lead me. That's prayer number 10. Lead me to my destiny. Because you know what? You're a key. And the master craftsman has shaped that key. To open a lock on this planet that no other key will ever be able to open. There is a lock. That's God's destiny. There is a lock on this planet that only you can be the insertion to accomplish God's mission for you. And by the way, if you say, I'm not going to do it. I am not going to do what God has called me to do. Guess what? It will never get done. That lock will remain locked for the rest of eternity. A door could have been opened because you were the key God shaped. The only key that could possibly open that door. Nobody can pick it up if you leave it. It's it's over. It's just locked. We'll never know what could have been had you arisen to your high calling and destiny.
hundred years ago in this classic on the life, on the, on the parables rather of Christ. Take a look at this. Put it on the screen. This is a little book, Christ's Object Lessons. This is, this is, this is incredible. Long before De Stefano, the point was made, each has his place in the eternal plan of heaven. Each, she is to work in cooperation with Christ for the salvation of souls. Now, hold on. No more surely is the place prepared for us in the heavenly mansions than is the special. Write it in. That means unique. That means one and only. Then is the special place designated on earth where we are to work for God. You have a special place. I tell you, isn't that a prayer to pray for this new year? Oh, God, lead me to my destiny. Help me to find that special place that you have for me on this planet. That's the object of life. You find why you were chosen to get born in the first place. There's a reason why you're here. You are here by divine appointment. What is it? I don't know. I do not know. That's between you and God to figure out over the journey ahead. Let me read it one more time in your hearing. Deuteronomy 7, verse 6. Moses speaking to this people, the children who are about to cross over, for you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. Do you know why, my friend, you've been chosen? Do you know why you are special today? I'll tell you why. Because just on the other side of that uh, purple mountain, beyond the, the muddy Jordan, there is another mountain in the heart of the promised land. This mountain will eventually be called Calvary. And on that mountain, the divine chosen one gave up his chosenness and chose to die. So that the lost ones like you and me one day could know we've been chosen and we could choose to live. Jesus' cross is the choosing of you and me for our destiny. And let me end with these scriptures. That's why Ephesians exclaims this piano praise. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. How we praise God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we belong to Christ. Long ago, even before He made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ. Write it down. Chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes. So we praise God for the wonderful kindness He has poured out on us because we belong to His dearly loved Son. He is so rich in kindness that He purchased our freedom through the blood of His Son and our sins are forgiven. I repeat, Jesus' death on the cross has sealed our chosenness forever and ever. And that is why, my friend, you are the most, you are the most unique person on earth. Because you have been created by God and original. You are an original. There is no copy of you anywhere on this earth. And get this, in the history of the universe, there will never be another you. You are an original. When we were over in Italy, we went into, went, went into a cathedral and they're hanging up on one of the walls this, this, this ancient artwork, obviously a classic, worn by time. Anybody who knows anything about art knows that if you're an original, you are worth a fortune, which is the truth about you and me. We are divine originals and we are worth a fortune to God who has chosen us. Which, by the way, means that if there is a refrigerator, if God has a refrigerator in heaven, your picture is on it right now. Welcome. Welcome to the chosen ones.
I was listening to Pastor Skip's prayer as he prayed. We're going to sing a prayer together in just one moment. But as I listened to that prayer, I said, Oh God, we cannot come to this moment and just sing the Lord's Prayer and hurry out of here. I have to make an invitation, and so I'm going to do it right now. I want to make an invitation. If you're a university student here, and you know it's true, you have been chosen, and you would like it on the threshold of a new year to declare, I choose the one who has chosen me. If you're a university student today, would you stand up and come right here to the front right now and say, I choose the God who has chosen me. I want to be a part of the crossing over generation. I choose to follow the God who has called me. If you're a university student and you're here today, just come on down here to the front. I want to pray with you. And then we'll sing, we'll sing together that majestic prayer. Our Father which art in heaven. God has has chosen you, my friend. You You are here by divine destiny. You are not a mistake. Your life is an original, which means you're worth a fortune. I don't know what God's dream for you is. I have no clue what it is. I just know that God has waited all His life for this day to for you to get this far. Hallelujah. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Choose the God who has chosen you. And for the rest of this season, we'll find out what it means to be the chosen. You and I together. All of us together. All right, there they are. Hallelujah. How about the rest of you? You want to respond to the God who has chosen you? I want you to stand to your feet. And by standing to your feet, say, I too choose you, God. You've chosen me. That's clear. I too choose you, God. And by your grace, I will be a part of the crossing over generation, the chosen ones. I too choose you. Oh, Father, we stand today. How could we not stand? The odds of our being here are almost infinite. Must be we have an infinite designer who said, I need another original. And so here we are. We are as original as they come. You chose us. We know that. And we stand in honor and recognition of that high destiny. Oh, God, what does it mean beyond today? Only you know. Moses thought it was over. Anna never knew until that last moment. Samuel, just a boy, and it started. Whatever your will is, that destiny. We pray together the tenth prayer. God, lead me to that destiny. Lead us, we pray. And so, Father, in this moment of commitment, we give everything back to you. We choose you. We'll cross over with you one day, no matter what. And so now we sing. We sing the words that Jesus taught us to sing. This beginning moment of every school year, this is when we throw our hearts back, Father, and we mean the Lord's Prayer. For You are our Father in Heaven. You chose us. And we thank You. In Jesus' name, Amen.